Chapter Six of *The Nightland* by William Hope Hodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. *The Nightland*, Chapter Six, *The Way That I Did Go*. Now I went forward for a space and took heed not to look backwards, but to be strong of heart and spirit, for that which did lie before me had need of all my manhood and courage of soul that I come to the succour of that maid afar in the darkness of the world, or meet my death proper, as it might need to be. And thus did I go forward steadfastly, and conscious in all my being of the emotions of that parting from my mighty home, and of the tenderness and wiseness that did underlie so much curbed rule and guidance. And my heart was warm towards the master Monstruaken for that great honour, that he should come downward in armour to make one with the full watch, that he might uphold me to a lofty spirit at the moment of my going. And all the time as I went forward, as the ether of the night about me, in tumult with the thoughts and blind wishings of the great millions I had but now left to my back. And presently, as I steadied somewhat upon my emotions, I was conscious of the exceeding coldness of the night air and of the different taste of it upon my lungs and in the mouth, and it had, as it were, a wondrous keen sharping upon my palate, and it filled the lips more in the breathing. So that it may be supposed it had more body within it than that air which did fill the plateau of the thousandth city where was my home, for the air of every city was of difference, and the greater between one that was afar up and another nigh to the earth, as may be thought, so that many peoples did migrate unto that level which gave them best healthfulness, but under rule and with the guidance of quantities, and not all that were lacking of health, for some are ever contrary. And here let me set down that within the deeps of the fields there was air utter, varied, and wonderful, that might charm one here, and likewise sorrow another that were happier elsewhere, so that all might have suiting, did they but wander, and have reason to companion them. And thus did I go forward, full of new thoughts and olden memories, and fresh breaking wonders, neither forgetting something of doubts and fears more than a little. And again it was most cunning strange to be out there in the nightland, though not yet afar, where often had my fancies and imaginings led me, yet until that time never had I touched foot in all that life upon the outward earth. And this must be a wondrous quaint seeming thought to those of this present day. And so came I at last nigh to the circle that did go about the redoubt, and presently I was come to it, and something astonished was I that it had no great bigness, for I had looked for this by reasoning, having always a mind to picture things as they might be truly, and hence coming sometimes to the wonder of a great truth, but odd whiles to errors that others had not made. And now, lo, I did find it but a small clear tube that had not two inches of thickness, yet sent out a very bright and strong light, so that it seemed greater to the eye, did one but behold from a distance and this is but a little thing to set to the telling, yet may it give something of the newness of all, 
and moreover shall you have memory with me in this place how that oft I had seen things and beast-monsters peer over that same little tube of light, their faces coming forward out of the night. And this had I seen as child and man, for as children we did use to keep oft a watch by hours upon an holiday-time, through the great glasses of the embrasures and we did always hope each to be that one that should first discover a monster looking inwards upon the mighty pyramid, across the shining of the circle. And these to come oft, yet presently to slink away into the night, having, in verity, no liking for that light. And pride had we taken of ourselves to perceive those monsters which had most of ugliness and horror to commend them, for thereby did we stand to have won the game of watching, until such time as a more fearsome brute be discovered. And so went the play, yet with ever it doth seem to me now something of a half-known shudder to the heart, and a child's rejoicing unknowingly in that safety which had power to make light the seeming of such matters. And this also is but a small matter, yet doth it bear upon the inwardness of my feelings, for the memories of all my youth and of the many beasts that I had seen to peer across the light did come upwards in my mind in that moment, so that I did give back a little, unthinking of what I did, but having upon me the sudden imagining of that which might come out of the dark beyond. And I to stand a little moment, and presently had grown free in my heart to have courage of farewell and so did turn me at last to the viewing of that wondrous home of the last millions of this world. And the sight was an astonishment and an uplifting, that indeed there was so mighty a thing in all the earth. And well might be that there were monsters and forces gathered together about that hill of life, out of all the darkness of the world, for the thing was as mighty mountain that went up measureless into the night, and spread out upon the earth to the right and to the left of me, so that it did seem to hold all the world with its might. And in the nearest slope were there three hundred thousand great embrasures, as well I did know, there being in all the four sides of the redoubt twelve hundred thousand embrasures, as was set out in the books of the schools, and upon the cover of the atlas-books, as they still quaintly to be called, and many another place as might be supposed and half a mile upward was the lowest tier of those great window-places, and above that countless other tiers. And a great light came out from them into the darkness, so that I looked up into the night many miles, and yet did see them in shining rows, and did make separate each embrasure from its fellow for a great way. But there grew yet more, above in the mighty distance, so that they were lost in the upward space of the night, and it seemed to me presently but as a constant glimmering fire that did shape a shining peak into the blackness of the heavens, dwindling into the utmost height. And thus was that everlasting monument. Then did it come to me that those little things which I did see to cluster against the embrasures were in truth the countless millions of the mighty redoubt, and this I could make out with some plainness in those lower embrasures which were more near to me than they above, for the peoples were set against the light within, yet were as small things like unto insects, in that distance and within so huge a bulk. 
and I knew that they looked out upon me, and did watch through their spy-glasses, and I set my gaze upwards again along that great slope of grey metal, I upward again to where it strode glimmering into the blackness, and so at last to the little star that did crown that wonder of the world in the eternal night. And for a little I did stare towards that far light, for it came from within that tower of observation, where so lately I had spended my life, and I had knowledge within my heart that the dear Master Monstruaken did bend the great spy-glass upon me, through which so oft had I spied. And I raised the discos unto him, in salutation and farewell, though I saw him not at all through that vast space. And my heart was very full, yet my soul but the stronger for it. And then, behold, I was aware of a murmur in the night, coming to me, dim and from afar off, and I saw the little shapes of the peoples in the lower embrasures, in constant movement, and I knew upon the instant that the multitudes did take that salute unto themselves, and cried out and waved to me their farewells, or to come back as may be. And, indeed, I was but a lonesome person looking up at that great mountain of metal and life, and I knew that I had danger to realize my plight, and I stayed no more, but did raise the discos reversed as was but meat from one young man unto all the millions. And I looked swiftly upward through those eight great miles of night unto that final light which did shine in the black heavens, so that my friend should know that I thought of him that was beyond my sight in that last moment. And it may be that the invisible millions that were far up in the night, in the upper cities, did take that also to be a meaning of farewell to themselves. For there came down out of the monstrous height a far, faint murmur of sound, as of a vague wind up in the night. Then I did lower the discos, and turned me about and I breasted strangely against the air-clog, and stepped forward across the circle, into the lonesomeness of the nightland. And I looked no more behind, for that which was my home did weaken my heart somewhat to behold, so that I had determination that I looked not again to my back for a great while. Yet about me, as I went, there was constant surging in the ether of the world, and it did tell unto me how that those, my people and kin, had continual mind of me, both in prayer and wishings, and in a perpetual watching. And the same gave to me a feeling as of being something companied. Yet in a time it came to me that this disturbance of the ether should tell to some evil force how that I was there abroad in the land. But how to stop this thing, who should have power? for of truth, had I been among them to make a full explaining of the danger, they had been yet powerless to cease, for but to have such great multitudes a think upon one matter was to set a disturbance about as should be most clear to all. Now at the beginning I did walk outwards into the nightland, somewhat blindly and without sure direction, being intent only to put a good space to my back that I might cure somewhat the ache which did weaken my heart at the first. But in a while I ceased somewhat from my over-swiftness, and had put thought to my going, and I came quickly to reason that I should try a new way through the land, 
for it might be that there was an over-watchfulness in that part which had been trod by the youths. And I began therewith to set this thought to the practice, and went not direct towards the north, but to the north and west, and so in the end to mean to circle around to the back of the northwest watcher, and thence to the north of the plain of blue fire, and afterwards, as might be, have a true and straight way to the north. And by this planning come a long way clear of that house of silence, which did put more fear upon me than all else that was horrid in the land. Yet, as all will see, this made to me a greater journey, though in verity it were better to go slowly and win to success than to make a greater haste towards destruction, which was indeed surely to be mine end did I not go warily. Now it may be thought upon with wonder that I did go so assuredly to the north, but I went this wise, part by an inward knowing, and part come upon by much latter studying within the pyramid of olden books, and by reasoning upon all things that I did observe, that had seemings of verity in them. And because of this constant searching upon one matter, I had come but a while back upon a little book of metal, very strange and ancient, that had lain forgot in a hid place in the great library through ten hundred thousand years, maybe, or less or more, for all that I had knowing. And much that was writ in the book was common knowledge, and set mostly to the count of fairy-tales and such-like, even as we of this our age take not over surely of any belief in myths of olden times. Yet had I always much liking for such matters, perceiving behind that outer shell which did win always so much unbelief, the kernel of ancient truths and happenings. And thus was it concerning this little book which I had made discovery of. For it told again that which oft I had heard, even as we in this age read of the deluge, how that once, in a time monstrous far back from that, but utter future to this age of ours, the world did break upwards in a vast earthquaking, that did rend the world for a thousand miles. And there came a mighty chasm, so deep that none might see the bottom thereof, and there rushed therein an ocean, and the earth did burst afresh with a sound that did shake all the cities of the world, and a great mist lay upon the earth for many days, and there was a mighty rain. And, indeed, this was just so set in certain histories of the ancient world. Also there was made reference to it within some olden records, yet nowise to be taken with a serious mind to the seeming of the peoples of the mighty pyramid, but only as a quaint study for the students, and to be set out in little tales that did entertain the nurseries, or as it might be wise men and the general. Yet there was this about that small and peculiar book, that it did speak of many of these things, as it were that it did quote from the pens of those that did have actual witness, and set all out with a strange gravity, that did cause one to consider it as meant to be indeed the tellings of truth, and to seem this wise to have great difference from all that I had read before concerning those matters. And there was further a part in the ending of the book that did seem to be rid of a time that came afterwards, maybe an hundred thousand and maybe a million years, but who shall say? And therein it did tell of a huge and mighty valley that did come out of the west, towards the southeast, 
and made turning thence northwards, and was a thousand miles both ways. And the sides thereof were an hundred miles deep, and the sun did stand in the western end, and made a red gloom for a thousand miles. And in the bottom there were great seas, and beasts strange and awesome, and very plentiful. Now this, as may be seen, was as the talk of romance, yet did I turn my wits to their natural end, and made thus plain of it. For, in truth, I to have something of belief, and it to seem to me that, in a bygone eternity, when the world was yet light, as in my heart I know to have been indeed a thing of verity, there was a great and wondrous earthquake. And the earthquake did burst the world up, along a certain great curve where it had weakness, and there fell into the yawning furnace of the world one of the great oceans, and immediately made of itself steam, and so brake upwards again, and tore the earth mightily in its swift uprising. And thereafter there was a mist and confusion and rain upon the world, and indeed all very seemly put, and not to be taken as a light tale. Then, in that ending of the book, there was one that did write, having lived a vast later age, when the sun had come anigh to his dying, and the upward earth was grown quiet and cold and not good to live upon. And in that time the mighty chasm had been calmed by the weight of an eternity, so that it was now a most deep and wondrous valley, that did hold seas and great hills and mountains, and in it were great forests of kinds, and lands that were good and healthful, and places given over to fire, and to steamings and sulphur-clouds, so that they held poisons that had ill for man. And great beasts were there down in that far depth that none might see ever, save by a strong spy-glass. And such there were in the early world, and had now been bred in the ending, by those inward forces of nature which did make the valley a place of good warmth so that there was, as it were, once more the primal world born to give new birth unto such olden monsters, and to others new and peculiar to that age and circumstance. And all this indeed did the book give also, but constrained and difficult to take clearly to the heart, and not like to the wise plain speech of the early tellings, so that I must even set it out here in mine own speech. And it did seem to me, by my reading, that man had come at one time to a great softness of heart and spirit through many ages of over-ease, but that the world had come to coldness and unfriendliness by reason of the sun's slow ceasing. And there was presently, in naturalness, a race upon the earth that were hardy and made to fight for their lives, and did perceive that the mighty valley that cut the world in twain was a place of warmth and life, and so did make to adventure their bodies down that wondrous height, and were many ages coming safe to the bottom, but did find safe places in the downward way where they built them houses, and made to live, and begot them children, and these grew up to that life of constant and great climbings, and of hard workings upon the road, which was the one intent of that people, so that the book did speak of them always as the road-makers. And thus did they make downwards through the long years and the ages, 
and many generations did live and die, and saw not the reaching of the road down into that great vale that lay so monstrous deep in the world. But in the end they did come there with the road, and they were very hardy, and they did fight with the monsters, and slay many, and they built them many cities, through great years in the mighty valley, and did make the road from city unto city, along that great valley, even unto the bite of the valley. And they found here a constant darkness and shadow, for that the sun could not make a shining around that great corner. Yet even here they ceased not to make the road, but took it around, and a mighty way unto the north, passing it among strange fires and pits that burned from out of the earth. But there was presently such a power and horror of monsters and evil things in that valley of shadow, that the road-makers were made to go backwards into the red light which did fill the westward valley, and came from that low sun. And they went back into their cities, and lived there mayhaps an hundred thousand years, and grew wise and cunning in all matters. And their wise people did make dealings, and had experiment with those forces which are distasteful and harmful unto life. But they did this in ignorance, for all that they had much wisdom, thinking only to experiment, that they come to greater knowings. But they did open a way for those forces, and much harm and pity did come thereby. And then had all people to have regrets, yet too late. Now presently, when an hundred thousand years had gone, or it may be a greater space, there came slowly the utter twilight of the world, as the sun to die the more, so that presently it gave but an utter gloomy light. And there grew upon many of the peoples of the cities of the valley a strangeness and a wildness, so that strange things were done, that had been shameful to all in the light. And there were wanderings and consortings with strange outward beings, and presently many cities were attacked by monsters that did come from the west, and there was a pandemonium. Then was an age of sorrows and fightings, and hardenings of the spirit and of the heart, for all that were of good fibre, and this did breed a determined generation. And there grew up into the world a leader, and he took all the sound millions, and did make a mighty battle upon all foulness and upon all that did harm and trouble them, and they drove their enemies down the valley and up the valley, and did utterly scatter and put them to flight. Then did that man call all his peoples together, and did make it plain how that the darkness grew upon the world, and that the foul and dreadful powers abroad were like to be more horrid when a greater gloom came. And he put to them that they build a mighty refuge, and the peoples did acclaim, and lo there was built presently a great house. But the great house was not proper, and that man did take all the peoples to wander, and they came to the bite, and there was built at last that great and mighty pyramid. Now this is the sense and telling of that book, but late had I read it, and talked somewhat of it with my dear friend, the Master Monstruaken. But not overmuch, for I had taken so sudden a mind to go, that all else had dropped from about me. Yet to us it did seem clear that there was no life in all the invisible upper world, and that surely that great road whereon the silent ones did walk 
must be that same road which the hardy peoples of that age did make. And it did seem wise to the master Monstruaken and unto me, that if any should find the lesser redoubt, they must surely do so somewhere within the mighty valley, but whether the road that led into the west where was the place of the ab-humans should bring me to it I had no knowing, nor whether it might lie on the northward way and I, maybe, to wander a thousand miles wrong, if, in truth, I were not into some dreadful trouble before. And, indeed, no reason of value was there to give me hope that the lesser pyramid lay either to the west or where the road went northward beyond the House of Silence. Yet I did so feel it to be somewhere to the north, that I had made a determination to search that way for a great distance the first and if I could not come upon aught, then I should have sober thought that it did lie westward. But in the valley some ways I had a feeling of assurance that it must be, for it was plain that the telling of the book was sound in its bottom sense, as might be seen, for how should any live in the utter bleak and deadly chill of the silent upper world that lay an hundred miles up in the night, hid and lost for ever? and strange it is to think of those wondrous and mighty cliffs that girt us about, and yet were fast held from us in the dark, so that I had not known of them, save for the telling of that book. Though, in truth, it had been always supposed that we lived in a great deep of the world, but, indeed, it was rather held in belief that we abode in the bed of some ancient sea, that did surely slope gradual away from us, and not go up abrupt and savage and here let me make so clear as I may that the general peoples had no clear thought upon any such matters, though there was something of it taught in the schools. Yet rather this and that, of diverse conclusions, as it might be thinkings of the teachers, after much study and some ponderings. For one man, having a lack of imagining, would scoff, and another, maybe, to take it very staidly, but some would build fancy upon the tellings of the records, and make foolish and fantastic that which had groundings in truth, and thus is it ever. But to the most peoples of the pyramid there was no deep conviction nor thought of any great hid world afar in the darkness, for they gave attention and belief only to that which lay to their view, nor could a great lot come to imagine that there had been ever any other condition and to them it did seem right and meet that there should be strange things, and fires from the earth, and an ever-abiding night, and monsters and matters hid and tangled much in mystery. And very content were the most of them, though some had in them the yeast of imaginings or the pimples of fancy upon them, and to these there seemed many possibilities, though the first to read out to sanity and the second to expect and have speech towards much that was foolish or to no purpose. And of these vague believings of the peoples have I made hint before, and need not have much trouble to it now. Save that, with the children, as is ever the way, those olden tales had much believing, and the simplicity of the wise did mate with the beliefs of the young, and between them did lie the truth and so did I make speed towards the north, having a strong surety in my heart and mind that there were but two ways to my search. 
for without of the valley, afar up in the dead lonesomeness of the hidden world, was a cold that was shapen ready to death, and a lacking, as I must believe, of the sweet, needful air that yet did lie in plenty in that deep place of the earth. So that surely the mighty valley somewheres to hold that other redoubt. Yet, as I have said, I went not direct to my journey, but otherwise for those sound reasons which I did set down a time back. End of chapter 6